I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Drew Brees is back with the Saints. So what does that mean for the Bucks and Jameis Winston? Brian Newman, thank God, is awake. He's uh, talking after that horrific accident at Daytona. We'll update you on that. And the Tampa Bay Lightning set a franchise record with their 11th win in a row at Colorado in that 4-3 to overtime thriller. And did you hear what LeBron James had to say? Some advice maybe for baseball commissioner Rod Manfred? you got to hear that. We'll talk about all of that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay along with some more of your mailbag questions. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, let's start with uh, the NFL, of course, and uh, I think that this was probably going to come sooner than later. We're still uh, a couple weeks away from when teams have to, the deadline for the franchise tag, I think is March 6th. Uh, of course it can't franchise drew Brees. but Brees did make his decision. You know, I have been saying for a while, having seen him at the pro bowl that I really thought he was leaning towards retirement. Well, it shows what I know, which is absolutely nothing. Um, he is coming back for his 20th NFL season and, I don't think there was any doubt, really, that if he was going to play, even though he was a free agent potentially, it was going to be for the Saints. Yeah, I mean, he flat out said if he's going to play anywhere, it's New Orleans. He wasn't leaving. Yeah. He's he he is tied to that franchise almost more than any other quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's almost the way that that Sean Payton and Drew Brees and the whole team kind of revived that city after um, the hurricane back in what two thousand five it was. Right. That it, it always just felt like those guys aren't going to go anywhere else. It's not to say that Sean Payton won't at some point in his career, but this Leighton yeah. Breeze's career, I think, you know, that he's a New Orleans guy. That's where he's going to stay. That's and, and he's made that quite clear. I mean, you know, Tom Brady may go somewhere else and, and almost go, okay, I could see that. But Breeze just feels like he should be in New Orleans. And, and maybe it's part of the way that city came back and that team came back and was, you know, relevant for the first time in, in a long time at that point, too. No, they they no doubt read the revi- led the revival of New Orleans after that horrible hurricane. I think that you know they've had some good looks at it. You know these last few years, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I don't lost know why on the last they play the last three years. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know this these things keep these awful things keep happening. And the last you know the last game, of course, that they played against Minnesota, it was a Brees turnover. Um, you know, a, a sack fumble that uh, that sort of ended it for them. Uh, I really thought they had a really great defense a year ago. They weren't quite as good on offense, but, you know, Breeze missed the five games, of course, that, that Teddy Bridgewater won, um, and he was fresh at the end of the year. Look, he he's not the same guy, right, who is at age, what, it'll be 41, I believe. Um, the, the arm, which m- many people thought would never be able to throw a football again, uh, doesn't have quite the zip or, or quite the deep ball accuracy. You know, he doesn't he doesn't throw the ball down the field as much. But he's still look. He he still had a great year. I mean, he he is you know his rating was really high, and and he was able to uh, you know to lead his team to a lot of wins. And so he was a Pro Bowl quarterback after missing five games, which I didn't yeah get, yeah but. that's how good he was, right? So yeah, so I mean, Breeze with Sean Payton is is the special sauce, right? It's those two. Just we're going to find out if Brady perhaps if Brady uh, can survive without you know Bill Belichick, but certainly Breeze. And I think Sean Payton's the best offensive play caller in the game. You still have Alvin Kamara. You still have can't guard Mike Thomas, um, you know, uh, Ted Ginn. I mean, you got a lot of guys on that football team that, that are still really good. And like I said, I think the defense has gotten a lot better with Cameron Jordan and some of those guys. Look, they're going to be a force. They've won it, uh, what is it, three years in a row now, I want to say, two or three years. Mm-hmm. The Saints have the NFC South, and so – uh, it's it just seems to be they, they have, they have the to be the favorites over. coming into this year at, at this point. I would now, think. I mean, yeah, you know, if Tom Not Brady comes what to Carolina's Tampa Bay. Do. Yeah, you don't know Carolina's. Right. If Tom Brady comes to Tampa Bay, that may change things and and you oh, know, yeah. free agent signings. <laughs> I mean, you could some it free agent signings could change. Yes, yeah, yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> we this podcast would be a lot more popular. I can tell you that Tom Brady comes. <laughs> 
You'd have a new diet. You'd have a new workout plan. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Oh, I'm drinking. You'd yeah, be all TB12. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm eating the avocado ice cream. There's no doubt about that. I'm I'm all in at that point. I'll be about 210 pounds if, if Brady shows up um, just because he'll shame us into trying to look better. But uh, um, it's fun to think about. And, and look, I, I, you know, we'll get into Brady in a minute, but I, I, do th- I will say this. We ask the question, what does this mean? Well, I've always said that you know, the dominoes have to start falling, and Breeze is the first one. Uh, and I think Breeze was always going to be the first one because he was more likely – uh, than not if he played of course he was going to go back to new orleans and so we knew what that means well yeah he okay. said new orleans or nothing is what he yeah was gonna so, be, so so the fact that he is not retiring and he's going back to the saints okay they got Taysom hill a guy that they like a lot right uh he's been kind of their swiss army knife he's played some fullback and some quarterback and some receiver and um, he wants to be a franchise guy but he's restricted free agent so so the saints can make him tender him a one-year deal to protect their rights. In other words, they can um, you know, have a, a tender high enough to where if he got an offer sheet from another team, they had the first right of first refusal. So I, I think that Taysom Hill is going to be the backup. I think he's going to be the number two. But they're not going to keep all three quarterbacks, which means Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent. He was going to be anyway, but he's not going back to New Orleans. I think you know, by announcing that Breeze is back, you're, you're essentially saying Teddy Bridgewater will not be. And that's where it gets interesting now for the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I'm not I'm not saying that they have made a decision that they like Bridgewater better than Winston um, or that, you know, there won't be another team that will be interested in Teddy and, you know, who knows where that salary winds up. But I will say this, that, um, you know, you know that Phillip Rivers is going to be available because the Chargers have said um, that they have parted ways with him. And now you know Teddy Bridgewater is available. There's two quarterbacks that are options, Right. Whether you think they're better options, cheaper options, um, some combination of that, that's up for you know for Bruce Arians and, and Jason Light and, and the ownership to decide. But it is leverage, okay? It's leverage on your current quarterback from a salary standpoint. You know, all that, that Arians has talked about is what's behind door number two. Well, now you have two quarterbacks standing behind door number two. And they'll have to decide – you know, where, if, if at all, they fit in and what are the teams they may have to compete with to get one of those guys. Um, but but it is an option. We know those two guys are going to be out there. Um, now, you know, the way things go, they're not supposed to talk to these players until, you know, like the 12th of March but or 13th of March, but, you know, that's the legal tampering period. We know those discussions happen now. So it's not a slam dunk that, say, Philip Rivers already has a – a deal in Indianapolis that we're not aware of or, you know, that, that Teddy Bridgewater is eyeballing Carolina. I mean, we just don't know the answers to those questions. But in as much as, you know, Bruce Arians has talked about his priorities being we have to lock up this defense, number one, um, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Indomitian Sue, uh, maybe a Carl Nassib to keep that front seven together, or it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, well, now you've got someone who I don't think I don't think I, I know, you know, we read the posts that say that, you know, Bridgewater could get $30 million a year. Trust me, that's not coming from his agent. That's coming from somebody else who would like to gin, gin up the, the salaries of quarterbacks for all their quarterbacks, including Jameis Winston. Um, so I, I don't know where Teddy's going to fall. If he's going to be, you know, under the franchise mark of $27 million, um, you know, $21 million is what uh, overthecap.com kind of has his value at. But again, we'll see. It only takes you know you'll, you you need some a couple of teams to want him um, to ratchet that up. But at twenty seven, this is not a guy like Philip Rivers that's you know thirty eight years old. I mean, this is a twenty seven year old who, yes, he's you know had a devastating knee injury and missed two seasons, um, but he's come back from that and he played some really good football last year. And and I was there when he threw the four touchdowns and three hundred yards and he made some down the field throws. Now, if you look at you know his numbers during the five games he started. I think he was like 28th, you know, in in the percentage of down the field throws that he actually completed um, during that time. Uh, but but he's he he was also one of you know turned the ball over very little, and so you know it's not going to be the playmaker that Jameis is, but you're also going to trade that um, for a guy that's not going to you know not going to get you in trouble. Again, 
Not saying Teddy Bridgewater is headed to Tampa, but this is a big development because now we know Breeze is back in New Orleans. Okay, what's the next thing? Well, there's been stories that you know Brady is going to listen to offers, as we suspected. He's not going to take the tour uh, the way Peyton Manning did, you know, where you have the, the helicopters following him in and out of the facilities. Uh, but got, But teams will come to him, and I think he's going to listen to – the Los Angeles Chargers. I think he's probably going to listen to the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders, I should say. Um, and who knows if the Indianapolis Colts might might get into that as well, or the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, I've heard Tennessee a lot with Brady as well. So in the end, he probably stays in New England. I mean, that's sort of what the people in football think he will do. Um, but he's at least going to give it a shout. Now, if 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 he does stay in New England, that would be the next domino. Then all of a sudden you have several teams that could be in the market for Jameis Winston. Who knows? Then Winston might have a little bit of leverage if, say, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers called him, or you know, uh, maybe uh, you know, maybe maybe Carolina Panthers, maybe some other teams uh, give him a call. But then after that, you know, what are the Panthers going to do with Cam Newton? You know, if Brady were to go to Las Vegas, what about Derek Carr? Uh, we know Andy Dalton might be available, but then there's talk that. Uh, you know, maybe Joe Burrow doesn't want to go to Cincinnati. So there's still a lot of intrigue and a lot of moving parts yet to this thing. And that's all that Arians has talked about is that they've gone over the scenarios. But they know one now for sure. And that is that Drew Brees is back with the Saints, which means the Saints are going to be a very good football team that they have to beat some way. And, you know, they have an option now, another option at quarterback, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. So, Pretty big development, I think. Uh, and, and you know, it happened early, which is good for the Saints because they got plenty of time to get their salary cap in order and, uh, and plan to sign them to a new contract. So, Steve, when we uh, got done with the podcast yesterday, I watched the end of the Lightning's game against Colorado. Uh, 11 wins in a row, franchise record. They're just not going to stop. Of course, it happens in overtime. Nikita Kucherov with the goal. They didn't know. If it was a goal right away or not, it was kind of an interesting... Kucherov interesting... did, nobody else did, because the puck went straight through his legs, the goalie's legs, yeah. and it got stuck yeah. behind the camera, which is at the bottom of the net. Yeah. Yeah. No one could see it, but Kucherov saw it. And there was a whole bunch of, uh, you know, the guy got, um, you know, a, a uh, uh, you know an ice wash or, you know, whatever they call mm-hmm. that when you, you splatter him with snow. Um, so there was, a, there was a, lot of, uh, a lot of confusion there. But yeah, Kucherov was looking at it like, "Hey, I scored. Aren't we going to count this or what?" <laughs> and then, of course, they did. Um, I, you know, this team has not played much better. Colorado really put on put up a good fight. They're a good. They're a good hockey team. Oh, they're very um, good. And then, you pick up two more points. What are they? I think they're like two or three points now behind Boston. They're one the point record. behind Boston. One point. Uh, they've wow. been that way for a, a few games now. Uh, Incredible, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a stat, and, and I might be off by a game or two, but. Boston, since the turn of the, the calendar to t- 2020, mm-hmm. Boston is something like 13, 3, and 4. Pretty pretty good record. Not bad. They've lost 11 points to the Lightning. Because <laughs> the Lightning, and granted, not since the first of the year, since I think uh, December 23rd. Since this run, yeah. 23, yeah. 2, and 1. That's stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. I mean... This is not supposed to happen in professional sports, especially in the NHL. You're not supposed to have a team that can go on this sort of run. And yet they've kind of done this, maybe not to this extent, but this is like their third or what is it, their third streak in the last two years of at least 10 wins or something like that? Yeah, I mean, this year was only the second franchise ever to have 10 wins in a row twice in a season. Yeah. The Bruins have done that twice previously. Right. Um, they're the they uh they're the uh they're only one of three or four teams mm-hmm. to be the first team to forty wins three consecutive seasons. Mm. Um, they're three they're three wins ahead of any other team in hockey. I mean Boston's a point ahead of them because they have twelve overtime losses. Mm-hmm. That I mean that's where Boston's added some points. You know the Lightning only have five overtime losses, so Boston's ahead of of Tampa Bay for the top record in the division in hockey because of they have a lot of overtime losses. Boston's 0-7 in the shootout. They oh get boy. killed in the shootout, which come playoff time, you don't have a shootout, so that doesn't bother them. But True. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Lightning team continue to, I mean, continue to just – I mean, in that Colorado game, that was a, that was a tough game. It got, it got chippy late. I, I th- 
this is my, you know, NHL officials bother me. <laughs> it, you'll get scrums, you'll get, and, and there's clear instigators and in things, and you don't give power plays. Yeah. And when you don't give a power play, uh, for instance, in the uh, was it the Philadelphia game when Stamkos gets punched by Konechny? Yeah. Right, and they even up the penalties. They both go to the box. Well, Konechny goes. Mm. I can get away with this. I'm going to do it. I again. I can do it again. Yeah, I can do it again. When yeah. there's a clear, I mean, there are times when both guys just go at it and even it up. That's fine. But when right. there's clear instigators and things, or when nothing's happening and someone comes in and, and throws a punch or a shove or a cross check, when you don't give a power play, all you do is encourage more of that. Yeah, and it it bothers me all the time with NHL and I know they don't want to give power plays, but the only way to control the game. Is if you do, because if you don't, it's just like your kids. You let them get away with it, they're going to keep pushing and do more. Well, but the problem, you know, the, here's the thing, and, and I think the Lightning fell victim to this a little bit because they scored so many goals on the power play in the, you know, during the regular season. Of course, the, their power play has not been as good this year for starters. But beyond that, you know, in, in the postseason, it seems like the officials swallow their whistle. Mm-hmm. So what would be a penalty during the regular season isn't mm-hmm. being called. And so. Yeah. In essence, you're, you're you know you're not playing the same game of hockey, and that's no. why I think what they've done mm-hmm. um, with having you know some bigger bodies, you know, there's some bigger guys out there now, uh, you know that that can protect Pat Maroon, Luke Shen, yeah, yeah, Luke you know, Shen. I mean, Chernak's developing to that guy. I mean, you yeah, know, he was last the, year, the, but he's grown this year as far as a, you right. Know. And so these guys, if you want to try to challenge them, they're more than up to the challenge. Yes. Um, and I, I think that teams will be a little, you know, little less successful getting under their skin because, um, they, they definitely wanted to, you know, in the playoffs, at least, you know, be physical and, and, and maybe cross the line and, and, and dare the referees who are not inclined to call as much, um, to see what they can get away with. And they may get away with some things, but they're also going to get pushed back. And I, I just think, you know, the way they're playing defensively, and of course, Vasilevsky is still outstanding, but um, they've just done a much better job all around. You can tell by the scores too. You know, you're not. It's not six five. They it's haven't. Not they haven't seven, given up six. more than three goals in a game since New Year's Eve. Yeah, and that's how you win in the postseason, right? Mm-hmm. You don't see mm-hmm. crazy scores in the postseason. You know, they're going to be two one. They're going to be one nothing. They're going to be three two, and they're capable of of just, you know, shutting it down when they get that lead uh, late in the third period. And it's it's good to see. So I don't think this is fool's gold. Look, we know the core of this team has been great for a long time. But unfortunately, everyone's getting all hyped now. <laughs> so, you know, are you waiting to get your hearts broken again? Or do you believe that this is going to be different? Do you believe that this team is different? And, and can you see that with your eyes? I mean, are your eyes going to deceive you or – do you, do you see them playing a style that you know is going to be something that will last in the postseason? Barring an injury to Vazzy or Hedman. And right. a lot of last year's problems was Hedman was not right. I agree. I, I mean, totally agree he with wouldn't, that. He yeah. wouldn't, you know, if he's healthy, he doesn't get undressed in game one and give up that, they give up that goal. And, right. and that, that helps Columbus start the comeback. Mm-hmm. They probably win that game if he's healthy. Right. And, and, you know, injuries happen. And he didn't even play games three and four. I mean, he wasn't right Kuchin, in games one and yeah. two. If it was regular season, he would have never played those games. Right. Um, but because it was playoffs, he did. Barring an injury to Hedman or Vasilevsky, and I think those are the two players they cannot overcome long-term right. injuries to in the playoffs. Right. They're too, too good and too elite and too special. I mean, look, Cooch is fantastic. Stamkos is fantastic. But the Lightning have a lot of forwards that can score. They may be the best in, yeah. in the game. Yes. They may be the best goalie in the game and the best defender in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to be without Cooch, but you can make do without him and figure out ways and to, to have, score. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Same with Stamkos, et cetera. And they've proven mm-hmm. that over the years. I mean, you know, like I said, you don't want them hurt. But Hedman, has, barring an injury to one of those two, it's hard to see the Lightning not going a long way in these playoffs. And, and, or they're not going to get swept in the first round. I'm comfortable saying that. The way <laughs> Boy, the, the, that's, well, that's sticking your I neck mean, out. Well, uh, they're not going to get swept no, I, in I mean, the first round. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, they're, they're, at this point... They're going to win the first round. That's yeah. what I want to know. Uh, yes, I, mean, I believe yeah. they're going to... You know, I, I think... Look, I think it's going to be them in Boston in the second round, and that's going to be a heck of a matchup. Yep. And then you probably got Pittsburgh or Washington in the, in the third round if you get past Boston. Yeah. But the first round, I believe the Lightning will will handle pretty easily, barring an injury to one of those two players. Now, let me ask you this. 
because they've had so many injuries to the defense. Some of the minutes that Hedman has logged lately, I saw a game that he, he was on the ice for 34 minutes. Um, typically, he goes over 20, right, 22, 21, even yeah, more. Yeah, correct. Now, uh, you know, I, uh, without knowing which game that was offhand, I mean, I want to know what the, you know, if there's a lot of power play minutes in there, those are easier minutes. Well, than, than it's kill. possible, but it was and, a game when they were yeah. missing all the all the right, defensive sure. players, and a couple yep. more went out during the game. But and I know that's that's probably the outlier. But of late, though, during this mm-hmm. streak, like he's logged some serious time. Sure, you know more more than they would want him to. So, well, and your hope is Jan Ruda is, is skating now. You're you're hoping McDonough's another week or two away. That yeah, as those guys come back, that McD- that Hedman can can log a few less minutes going forward. Because that that's what takes mm-hmm. you know that could have a cumulative effect, don't you think? It can, it absolutely can. Yeah. And and like I said, tell me what kind of minutes they are too. I mean, penalty kills a lot rougher than power a lot play. Easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know. So you know what? How were the minutes distributed? If you know he's playing thirty four minutes, but ten minutes of it was on a power play, which you're probably not getting that many minutes. But that's true because you're playing maybe half the power play minutes. But, you know, let's say seven or eight of those minutes is that. Okay, those are easier minutes than, you know, right. you're, you're kind of running the point. You're not, you're not hard skating. Feet, you're, yeah, you know. you're, you're, you're not hard skating when you are. You're coming up the ice, and you're, not, you're slower, right. and you're running the point. That's different than trying to kill off a penalty. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, the other t- if, if you've got a lot of offensive zone possession in that game, let's say you're just cycling in the offensive zone, that's not as hard minutes for Hedman as it is for you know, the other team who's defending that. So, you know, some of it depends on what type of minutes you're getting. But, yes, I don't want to see Hedman getting 34 minutes with any regularity. I, I want him in low 20s at this point. Well, whatever they're doing, it's working, and they're going to continue this road trip. Where do they go to next? They're in uh, Vegas. They're already there. Um, so you hope the Vegas flu doesn't set in before Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, the brown liquor yes. flu. And Blake Coleman will make his debut Thursday night. That's right. Uh, yeah, we uh, forget drinking, this pic- team just... drinking pickle juice and uh, making his <laughs> debut with the, the the Lightning. We're in number twenty. This team just got a lot better, didn't it? Well, they added a potential top six forward, and, and they already have seven top six forwards on this team. Which you know they, they they've kind of made it work between pretty much Kalorn and Johnson kind of go back and forth between a top six role and a bottom six role and. And then they have to move the other one up because they're struggling, et cetera, et cetera. I think Blake Coleman's going to play on the bottom six, but you know he's a, you know, look at the way all the players and, and John Cooper described him. You know, he never takes a shift off. He's, you know, just gives a hundred percent all the time. He's, you know, it, it sounds like he's going to fit in perfectly with this team, and and you know, and they've got him for beyond this year too into next year as we talked about, and at a very friendly contract. So. Yeah, well, it's just just incredible what they've done so far. We'll see if they can get their twelfth win in a row on this road trip. Uh, did you hear what LeBron James, of all people, of course, Ooh. basketball's most valuable player, most uh, valuable or, I guess, best athlete in the last decade or so, uh, had some advice for Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. It's not enough that he's getting it from both barrels uh, with his own baseball players. Now here comes LeBron James. Uh, this is what he uh, had to say. Uh, he said, listen, I know I don't play baseball, but I'm in sports. And I know if someone cheated me out of winning a title and I found out about it, I would be blanking irate. <laughs> uh, didn't hold back. And then he went on to say, he goes, I mean like uncontrollable about what I would or could do. Listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen to your uh, players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken, et cetera, et cetera, about this. Literally the ball is in your court, or I should say field. And you need to fix this for the sake of sports. Wow. What do you really think? He's not wrong. No. I mean, you got Aaron Judge coming out now and saying he's Mm -hmm. got no respect for the Astros and thinks differently of them. Mike Trout. I mean, you've got all the stars in baseball coming out now. They're all fired up. Here's the thing. And I've been, you know, leading, I've been the one, you know, agreeing with uh, others. Jeff Passon saying, you know, baseball's on fire. What are they going to do? I've I've kind of swung a little bit and 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 this usually happens. I'm kind of like, okay, let's call it, let's all calm down now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm I've kind of had enough of this. All right, everybody's had their say. Everybody, you know, I just mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And so you scream and you yell a little bit. Okay, how do you feel now? You feel better? Does everybody feel better now? Mark Cuban weighed in, right? Mark Cuban. Last time I saw Mark Cuban, he had stones and he was throwing at his own glass house with all the 
you know, sexual harassment that was going on inside the Mavericks building that he ignored for years uh, in the Me Too movement. So let's let's just calm down here, Mark. But everybody needs to just take a little bit of a step back here, okay? Because a couple of things. One, uh, other sports have had scandals and they survived it, right? And I was listening to Colin Coward was talking about this. I think he's right. Um, I don't always agree with Colin. But, like, you know, FIFA, soccer's never been more popular worldwide, right? Uh, you know, when it comes to the World Cup or whatever. Um, you know, well, the Olympics, that, was, that was awarding where the World Cup would get played. No, I, I get it, but my point is there, there's always been scandals right. in some oh, of these sure. other sports. How about the, how about the Olympics, right? Um, there's always you oh, know, the doping scandals, Russia's banned doping, this year from, yeah, yeah, all kinds of things. It's and it's still wildly popular. My thing is this: that the NBA you know, had referees, uh, you know, fixing games or yeah, you had one guy at least. But yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously Manfred missed an opportunity to to level a punishment that fit the crime, right? And and he's even cheapened his own trophy, which is called the Commissioner's Trophy, by no, calling it a piece, it a piece of, metal. of metal. It's called a piece of metal yeah. now. It's a piece of metal trophy. Yeah, but it was it was the Commissioner's Trophy, and now he didn't even care about that. So if you think these guys are working in the offseason all year, you know, just to win a, a piece of metal, um, he's cheapened his own his own championship, which was – all of that's reprehensible, and he's come out and right? apologized for that. I mean, that he – he has. But but here's what we have, okay? So the Astros are going to have to wear this. And and when I say wear this, they may wear a few in the ribs as well. But when we're all once we get all settled down and the games start being played, and I think that they I think the reason this is happening is it's clear that Manfred did not go far enough and people want well, they want more punishment. They want more accountability and they didn't get it. Now whether baseball will do anything about that or not, I doubt it at this point. Here's the thing. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, and this is where Cowher's getting at. It was, look, I mean, the Astros are now the bad guys, right? You, you've got to have a foil. You've got to have somebody. I mean, the Yankees have always been the evil empire. Here's a team that everybody gets to hate except Houston, except the city and, and mm-hmm. the players on that, on that team. We're all talking about baseball. Yeah. We're not talking about how slow the game is. Well, and this is all going to come around next week or the week after when the Red Sox investigation comes out and none of those players right. get punished, and the Red Sox are going to be the bad guys as well. Yeah, so you'll have two bad guys, uh, bad guys. You'll have two bad guys in baseball to go with the Yankees, who are always the bad guys. And, and the Yankees feel wronged, which is ironic, you know, with guys like Judge speaking out. Everybody's in a snit, you know, um, I just think it's going to make for a very interesting year. Don't you want to see what happens on opening day to the Astros or, hell, even in spring training or when somebody goes into second base on Jose Altuve? I sure do, right? So they'll get through this. I mean, we had 15 years of steroids when they when they turned their backs on the game and it survived that. And, you know, that's because the owners embraced it because it was good for business. Um, but it probably wasn't good for baseball, you know, I mean, you had teams that never win that were able to win, like San Diego, because they had a couple steroid guys. So um, it, it just—I I, think—I think I'm at the point in my own life where I need to say, okay, it's going to be okay. It's—it's it's a horrible scandal. It should have never have happened. I think I still think it's worse than steroids from a competitive standpoint, because that era was—it was hard to identify how many, if, if not all, the players were doing it. Um, this is, this was, this was cheating. There is no question. They cheated. Manfred should have taken the trophy, the piece of metal. Furthermore, I think they should have banned them from the postseason. but because they didn't do enough, because everybody feels like he didn't go far enough. This is why you're having all this backslash backlash, even from a guy like LeBron James. Right. And I suppose somebody asked him or he would, uh, maybe he just weighed in because he's, he's reading about it and he feels like, Hey, I know how I would feel, um, but I mean, don't don't you think that that we're gonna we're gonna be okay here? Base baseball is gonna be okay. Baseball is gonna survive this. Oh, baseball will survive it. It survived many scandals throughout the history of baseball. I mean, if, sure. if anything, it's probably had more scandals than bigger scandals than most sports do. They fixed, yeah, they fixed the World Series. I mean, <laughs> what could be worse than that? I mean, what's ultimately going to decide how things work out is what happens the next time this happens. Well, and that's the problem is that Manfred has not allowed for a big enough penalty for that. Well, and, you know, and, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to do going forward. Presumably, he'll put out some memo edict to teams 
there'll before, be a rule before now. the season they starts. They need a rule. Well, a That's rule, right. but you know, um, there'll be something issued to teams. I mean, he's already issued memos in the past about you can't do this, and with they had the Apple Watch thing with the Red Sox and the Yankees, and. And, yeah. and, and there's been other memos that we've seen from Manfred to teams, and specifically ones that Lunau and AJ Hinch didn't share with their team, and which is one of the right. reasons they got fired, and the team nothing happened to. Um, yeah. You know, presumably it's going to be what they do. You know, steroids. Now it's look, you get popped, it's an 80 game suspension. After that, I think That's it's a right. year, and then the third one, I think you're out of baseball. That's um, right. You know, what are they going to do going forward? They'll we'll, have to we'll, deter- that we'll determine with, really with the, the long term effects of this scandal. Yeah, and they'll have to bargain that with the players. That's one of the reasons that the Manfred's hands felt a little tight is that if he did exact too much punishment on the players, they they would have had a big problem with the union. You know, but but, but here's the thing now. And, and, but see, Manfred's got some power now. He does now because if he comes out and says, "This is what I want. You do this, you're banned for life, or you're banned, for, you're you're suspended for three years, one year, whatever it is." What's the union going to do? Because most of the players are are pissed. They're all mad, yeah. So outside the, of two the, teams, yeah, they're, the majority of your of your union wants wants rules. So if Manfred comes out and publicly says, "This is what I want to do," is the union dare going to challenge it? it? Are they going to no, dare? They can't oppose it now. No. I mean, you know, if anything, he's got some power because of this. He's the bad he's guy right now. Lever- he's got leverage, but yeah. he could actually bring the hammer down to any future mm-hmm. ones. And and he could make this go away and, 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 and appease the players by, by in, you know, instituting more accountability for the next time if it were to happen mm-hmm. again. And that's, that's really what baseball has to do. They have to assure that, they, that what we're seeing you know, has integrity and um, you know, that the result is not, not tainted the way uh, this World Series was or this, this title was. So um, I, I, I just think that, you know, as is usually the case, we, we, all, we get caught up in what is the latest thing. Um, and it's bad. It's really bad for baseball. Um, you know, we're talking about tattoos on guys' shoulders and things. Not good. But I, I just think that let's take a little breath. Let's calm down a little bit. <laughs> Not, you know, and it's good to hear from LeBron. That's great. You know, now go win a championship for the Lakers. And <laughs> you got enough on your Well, on he's your trying hands, this man. year. He's got a shot this he year. He is. They do. They really do. And with the Kobe story, all of that, I mean, it's just, it, 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 I don't know, it's, it's chilling sometimes when you think about what's going on there in Los Angeles. Uh, with the- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So we had we had the mailbag questions yesterday, but we didn't get to all of them. There's a couple more that came in I hear pretty good. Let's, uh, let's tackle those. Yeah, we had a couple. So Scott asked us, do you think Mike Balsingers uh, will get anything out of his lawsuit against the Astros? He's the Blue Jay player that uh, pitched against the Astros. I believe it was the Blue Jays. Pitched against the Astros, got shelled at their park, and never made it back to the bigs after that. Well, I mean, I'll just tell you this: that if if I'm sitting on the jury, uh, I want to hear. I want to hear it. I want to hear the evidence. Um, the problem he's going to have is sort of quantifying. You know, them. If he first of all, you know. Are we just assuming, or can we actually do have evidence that they cheated in that particular game? Uh, and then, you know, how much was him and how much was them knowing what was coming? I mean, I guess you could assume all of it is is advantage Astros if, in fact, they did steal his signs. But but there was, you know, here's the thing, and I don't know how far the, the civil litigation or whether he's got to go through the players' union with a grievance or just what, what all the, you know, gymnastics of that's going to be, but... There's no question that players were damaged in this. I think what, what most players are the most upset about is just that. Um, and not just this Mike Balsinger guy, but but everybody realizes that, look, you play a game that measures numbers, right? And you're paid for production. Uh, and you're promoted or not promoted based on your production. And when somebody can affect that, they're affecting your livelihood. They're directly preventing you either from being in the major leagues, staying in the major leagues, or making money in the major leagues. And those are damages. Those are, 
those are actual damages. And if you can prove that, then I, I, if I was on the jury, I'd try to award them something. But again, I don't know the processes that, you know, the process they have to go through to, um, you know, to, to try to recover some, something for, like that from baseball, from the Astros. Um, so I don't know where it's going to go. But if I was on that jury, you wouldn't have a hard time convincing me that the advantage that they took against these pitchers and, and, and the punishment they exacted didn't cost those guys opportunity and or money, you know? I mean, you know, you don't know. I mean, if you're a, if you're a ball club that brings up a guy for the first time and he makes his major league debut or maybe he makes a couple starts and one of those was against the Astros when they stole signs and absolutely shelled them and you don't know that this is happening at the time that they're stealing signs, then you're thinking, eh, you know what? This guy's, this guy's not ready to face elite major league hitters, you know? And so, boom, he's back down in AAA or something. And that's unfortunate. That's beyond unfortunate. I used to think about the guy, you know, with steroids, like, well, you didn't know who was doing it, but so many guys were doing it. Well, that's true. But what about the guy who didn't do it? You know, what about the guy who is in double or AAA and he knows he's better than the second baseman that he's playing in front of now and he comes back to spring training the next year, and this guy's gained 25 pounds, and now he's hitting 25, 30 home runs, and all of a sudden this guy who's doing it right is not getting promoted to the big leagues. In fact, he loses his job in AAA, and a couple years he's out of baseball because he refused to stick a needle in his ass. You know, And, and, and you know that, that was the other side of steroids. You know, How many players just decided, no, I'm not going to do it, you know? and they suffered as a result of it? Um, you know, Fred McGriff may never be in the Hall of Fame, and I, I don't think anyone's ever accused him of doing steroids, but I know if he had done it, he'd have hit a lot more home runs, and he probably is hit enough to go in now, you know, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, there's there's people who have been who have been damaged by this, no question, and like I said, if I'm on the jury, if it gets to that, I I would certainly think he'd have a pretty good case. All right, Joseph asked, Seems like the heat is on for the Rays' sister city plan, with Rob Manfred speaking about owners coming around across Major League Baseball. But has anyone mentioned what they might offer the players to put up with this huge disruption? I haven't heard it, and I think before this plan can go forward very far, they're going to have to have some agreement with the players' union. Um, this is not going to be an easy thing to do. They, they seem to paint it almost as if an extent, almost as if it were an extended spring training. Right. Almost as if, well, you start in February, you stay through March, you play April and then May when your kids are out of school. Uh, it's a couple of longer weeks than just the beginning of April. But after about seven, eight weeks, boom, you're you're in Montreal. And you're in a I more mean, cosmopolitan city, according to. Yeah, that's right. Um, where nobody from Florida is driving around trying to take advantage of that cosmopolitan city. But I, I think that I think that baseball is going to have to figure things out. I mean. You know, you're having to keep two residences. What about the kids that are in school? Um, you know, you know how. What about the money exchange? You know, from Canada to the U.S., the tax consequences. I mean, there's there's a lot to work out here. And and just in general, um, you know, if I'm a free agent, is there a competitive disadvantage here? Do we are we going to pay these guys more money because they have to play in two markets or give They're them some sort to. of an allowance? They're going to have to. Because otherwise, if I have a choice, I'm not going to play for the Rays. I don't want to live in two cities. I'm not going to do that to my family. You know what I'm saying? So now all of a sudden the Rays can't get free agents, right? Or they can't get the ones they want Mm -hmm. because they have to play or have chosen to play in two markets instead of one. I Um, I almost wonder if leagues like the NFL aren't watching this closely. Oh, they are. Because, oh, no. You know, okay, so baseball, baseball and the players, let's say they come to an agreement of you get an extra X number of dollars or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, yep. whatever, whatever. Living the, expenses, hmm, right. Can we do the same thing to move to London? No, no. In fact, I'll go, I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't think it's a stretch to think Stuart Sternberg is watching what's happening in Jacksonville. And he's mentioned, he's referenced them before and said, look, Jacksonville just just agreed to play twenty five percent of their home games in London. If we did that, we're we're only we're halfway there. We we only want to play fifty percent of our games. Mm-hmm. There, it, no one's saying anything. Well, 
people in Jacksonville are, but well, it doesn't seem to but be but a the big problem. The difference there is the NFL. the NFL picks up the bill when you go to London. They're paid to go there. No, but the fans of Jacksonville, no, the, fan, who live the fans, the fans are, yeah, the fans are hosed, but are being are being told that their team, instead of playing in their home city, is going to play their home games. Twenty five percent of them in another country, so they're being they're being marginalized, and yet I don't know if there's a ton of outcry outside of Jacksonville. It seems like the NFL is okay with that, and the reason they're okay with that is the damn revenues. They know Jacksonville's a bad market. They understand why Shot Khan wants to do it. Um, and they like they the money wanted, that, they like the money that London brings and England and brings. and the marketing and yeah and and eventually and I've been saying this for years there is going to be an NFL team in London. I think there'll be it two. May, and I've been saying it's going to be the Jaguars. I, I think still there'll believe be two. That. I think there'll be two. There there probably will be two. They'll it makes expand. more sense. With they'll two. expand and there'll be two teams in London. Right, but but it, it's coming and it's coming because of the TV revenue. And what Sky Sports is willing to pay, and what you know, there are different, there are different corporations in Europe than there are in the United States. There just are. Their headquarters are over there. Whether it's Germany, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, London, whether it's uh, you know other countries, um, Italy, whatever, uh, you know, they have sponsorships that they want to tap into, and in a big way. And you know, money is what steers this thing. So yes, a thousand times yes. Is is the NFL watching Stuart Sternberg? I I think it's pretty obvious that Stuart Sternberg is watching the NFL, um, and and you will see this model, uh, I think, in sports, and that's why I think baseball is willing to try it, um, because they could be you know sort of the template for that, and you've got you know two, uh, you know, two broadcasting rights, you've got two you know two radio, um, you know, rights. I mean, there's there's all kinds of you know, doubling up on some things, but you know, good luck trying to build two stadiums. Good luck trying to get the community to share a, a, a baseball team. Um, I and 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 you know, to the point of of the the questioner, I mean, you know, what what is the players' union going to require for these guys to play for for Montreal and in Tampa? Maybe they'll just require that they actually punish the Astros and Red Sox. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they should make the Astros play in in two different cities. Well, they did play one year with the Hurricane. They played in Tampa Bay. Yeah, they did. After That's all true. the the Rays did for them, yeah, opening Tropicana. I wonder Field. if they were setting and up the cameras it, there too. <laughs> they may have. They may have brought their own and set them up. Yeah. All right, we had another question, and the Lightning just made a trade. Uh, they got Blake Coleman from the Devils, and you're starting to see mm-hmm. a lot of trades in hockey this week. The trade deadline is Monday at three p.m. Eastern in hockey, so mm-hmm. it's coming up quickly here. Uh, but yeah. Jeffrey's question is, I think the trading deadline is way too late. I believe it is way too late to the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA as well. All the sports have a preseason, spring training, etc. You do the best you can, and once the season starts, if you need it, it should be no more than a third of the way into the season. I think it hurts all the major sports. What do you think? I don't disagree necessarily. I, 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 think, I think you want to put it in a position where – where all teams, you know, can go for it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like with football, it's tricky because of injuries. You just never know when they're going to hit. And it takes a while. The NFL, because of its divisions, you know, some, some teams have won a division at eight and eight or seven and nine. And some teams have, you know, like last year you had to win 12 or 13 games to make it to the playoffs. Right. As a wild card team, if you weren't, an, if you weren't a, um, a division champ. So, you just don't know um, year to year, but I mean, I would like to see it maybe a little sooner, but how much sooner, right? Like, well, here's because, the thing: because then, the then what you're going to have is you're going to have teams that are sellers, right? And in in the NFL, I think everybody feels like they have a chance, even if they start out three and five, or you know. So, I mean, I guess you could argue: well, if they're three and five and they make some deals, maybe they'll improve their team and make a run. Um, but I wouldn't want teams trying to decide that if they're in or they're out of the playoffs at, by week six, you know, although it's damn near that. Well, now, that's, that's really the thing is if, if it's a third of the way in the season at the NFL, so you're talking five games in who, yeah, how many teams, how many teams are out right of the now. playoffs? None. Maybe, maybe there's a team that's 0 and five. You're going, yeah, they're done. Yeah. But very few. I mean, if you're two, if you're anywhere near 500 yeah. or even if you got one win, you, you have a chance. There's it, enough it, runway. 
you know, that's the thing is you got to have enough teams out of it to make the trade deadline anything. Right. Because for every buy, you can't just have buyers, right? Somebody's got to be a seller. Exactly. Somebody has to decide we're gonna we're gonna build for the future and we're gonna get some draft picks and we're gonna move these players on because we know that we don't have a chance. Our our, our record is such that we we can't come back. And I think if you do it too soon, you know. I mean, look, last year then, St. Louis Blues. Let's take hockey. St. Louis Blues mm-hmm. were in last place at Christmas. They were last. Yeah. They're the worst team in hockey. Right at Christmas. If that trade right. deadline's around the first of the year, they may have been sellers last year. And, mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. and no organization wants to tell their fan base a third of the way through the season, we're, we're done. done. I mean, we're even, even, if, even if you kind of know you are. Yeah, but you can't you don't, tell You don't want to be out that. there because you just traded your three best players. No, no. You still have tickets to sell and, and other obligations to fill. So, Right. I, I, I under you know I understand the the, the question and, and the logic behind hey you know you, you did all the off season work you you've got who you've got but in order for right. a trade deadline to work you have to have buyers and sellers and if you do it too soon you don't have both yeah then nobody nobody wants to give up the players and so yeah that it's it's a it's a needle they got to thread but uh, but I, I think football's got it about right I mean they could even make it a little bit later if they wanted to but I think they've got it right yeah but football the trade deadline there's not much that goes on with it. In recent no. years has been a little more, but you know, baseball and and hockey and the NBA, you see a lot more. Yeah, although the NBA's kind of become a little bit anti. NBA's off season is crazy. With oh like, yeah, the way that's they build the, the most super fun. teams in the off season. I mean, those first that first week of free agency is that's the most exciting right. time in the NBA of the season. Period. They've topped the NFL and Adam Schefter, who should do both because he's doing some basketball too. Mm-hmm. But that forty like that. That signing period, or yeah, Woj and Brian period, Windhorst which, and those oh, guys are it's awesome. Yeah. All right, so some really good questions. We appreciate those, and and like we said, you don't have to wait for a mailbag. Although we'll try to do one of those every week, uh, but you can always send your questions to us at Sports Day TB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay dot com. Uh, we've got a uh, big show tomorrow. Of course, Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. Now with the Pointer Institute, will be with us. It's always a lot of fun. And then uh, the Lightning, I guess, are at Vegas on uh, on Thursday night. So we look forward to that. And then we're going to have Neil Solons, the Rays pre- and post-game host, uh, sometimes play-by-play guy for the Rays. Spring training we'll starts him. Saturday. Yeah, going to have him on the Friday. The game and, starts uh, Saturday. Baseball yeah, is back. It is back. Mark Tompkins writing a ton of stories, man. It's just been newsy every single day. Suits who go uh, look good. Sutsugo looks good. They they talked about the uh, you know the international flavor of that clubhouse. You've got uh, what is it? Seven different countries, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hunter uh, Renfro ball sounded great coming off his bat. Yeah. So uh, who was it that lost twenty pounds? Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe. Yeah, he's got a whole new yeah. outlook uh, physically and spiritually. Mentally and, and spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it looks great. He's lost lost twenty yeah, pounds. He said his time so. in the majors uh, kind of made him reevaluate things and wants to stay there. So he. Put in the work this off season. Yeah, I think he was up and down like five times and and didn't produce the power and the, some of the things he wanted to do. So, always good to have guys you know get motivated and uh, and they're ready to go. And so, Topkin even wrote about Wander Franco could make could be up here by the end of the season. Listen, it's going to be tough to keep him out of here. <laughs> if, he, if he keeps tearing it up the way he is, um, other than I mean, they let don't me expand the rosters as much in September now. There's only 28 right. players on the roster instead of 40 come right. September, but. Right. But, you know, if he's the best player, if he's one of the best 28, I can't imagine the Rays aren't going to put him up there. Well, that's my thing. Like, other than the fact that you'd love to have a control of him, right, on mm-hmm. a major league mm-hmm. uh, salary for as long as possible. And you may think, you know, we've got a pretty good team. We're going to win a lot of games with these guys. We don't, quote, unquote, need him per se. But at what point when he's just maxed out at AAA? In other words, he's such a good player that, you know that he can help you. Like, you know he can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and keeping him in AAA is not going to make him better. In other words, he for him to develop, you know, he's hit the ceiling there. He needs to get in the big leagues. So are you, are you really going to, you know, leave a prospect like that or a talent like no. that? No, if he's maxed out. Now, one of the things that I think the Rays do as well as anyone in sports is they don't bring up people too soon. You know, one of the worst things you can do is bring someone, promote someone up, and not just to the majors, but even, you know, double A, triple A, wherever, when they're not ready for it yet. 
You know, I, I'm a big believer in don't put people in a position to fail. To fail. And, and it's, oh, not to say that, it's not to say they won't fail when they do things, but, but right. don't let them fail because they weren't ready for that challenge yet. Right. You know, you want them to make sure they've got all the tools and, and they're ready to, to take on that challenge. And if they Absolutely. fail, they fail. Put them Fine. in a position to right. succeed. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rays do that, I think, better than anyone. I know in, in with the Lightning, there's some talk of, you know, there's been defensemen hurt on the Lightning. And why isn't Cal Foote coming up yet from Syracuse? He's one of their big prospects on the defensive blue line. He's not ready yet. And if you bring him up now, particularly on a team that's rolling like the Lightning is, and he's not ready, that's not fair to him or the players on the Lightning. Or the team, yeah. You know that, And it's not to say he won't be ready at some point, whether it's this year, next year, whenever. But he Wander just, Franco. Yeah, but Wander on. Franco, if he continues on the path he is, absolutely. Yeah. But, but he's now going to be in double-A you know, this year some. He and presumably gets a triple-A this year. If he oh, struggles yeah. a little bit or needs, you know, you, you don't want to sit there and say, yes, we're bringing him up. You've got to make sure right. he's ready for it. But if he is, you definitely don't want to hold him back. I mean, you know, right. once they've accomplished everything they can accomplish, and, right. and, and I don't mean statistically, but I mean as far as improving their game at whatever level, mm-hmm. it's time to move them up, whether right. whether contractually or whatever else. You know, look, Wander Franco is going to be the player they break the bank with, most likely. Yeah. That yeah. He's going to be that, that, that signing that they're going to – that. That's going to be the big contract once they get the two new stadiums and the players are making extra money to go to Montreal or whatever it is. Right. He's going to be the one they break the bank. He's with. he's the guy they got right now. Of all the players on the team, he's the one that's got to worry about living in two well, cities. That was that was always the joke when the whole thing came up and they're asking Kevin yeah. Kiermeyer and Blake Snell so what, and and you name the players. Me. It's like no, you need to be asking Wander Franco. He's the only one who's going to be on the team at that point. That's I mean, right. <laughs> so get him some French lessons. All right. Yeah, that but was he's always ready the joke. to speak French. Yeah. yeah. But yes, if, if he's ready, you have to bring him up because yeah. leaving him somewhere where he's done all he can do as far as being ready for the next level just hurts him. I mean, doesn't you know. help you, doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt help him. And mm-hmm. and look, if if he's Alex Rodriguez, then Alex Rodriguez is going to be the majors at nineteen. I mean, that's you know. I mean, ideally, if he's tearing it up, you want to bring him up, even if it's only for a couple weeks this year, just to give him a taste. Absolutely, you know. And even if you know, look, Willie Adamas. Came up and you thought he was there to stay, and then he went back down when he struggled for you know a little bit and yeah, came back, and, and it, it helped him. And you know, getting getting that taste of the big leagues, and even if you have to go back for a while, let you know what helps you a player. Work on. Well, it, yeah, it, right. it, it, and you're Nate, hungry. You're Nate Lowe now says, you know what? I wasn't in good enough shape. I wasn't where That's I needed right. to be mentally, and he worked on it. You're all so off-season. hungry to stay there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's there's a lot of guys that have the talent, but it, it takes more than just that at the big league level, in any yeah. sport. Doesn't matter hockey, football. You know, you can find a lot of guys that can run that fast, jump that far, hit the ball that far, mm. whatever it is. But it takes it takes everything, you know, including, you know, being put in the right spots and, and being put not in a position to fail. That's right. Well, nobody knows more about Wander Franco than Neil Solons. He'll be with us Friday. And Tom Jones tomorrow on the podcast. So we hope you enjoyed it. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.